Welcome to the ITSP Magazine Podcast Network. You're listening to a new episode of the Leadership Student Podcast with M.K. Palmore. We are all lifelong learners, and nowhere is this more relevant than in the practice of leadership. Our goal is continual learning and improvement. Let's get after it. Knowledge is power, now more than ever. Okay, folks, here we go. This is MK Palmore. Welcome to this episode of the Leadership Student Podcast. Uh, Today as my guest, I've got Carter Groom, who is the CEO of First Health Advisory. Uh, Carter and I met several months ago, introduced by a common friend, and I've been impressed with with Carter's journey in corporate America and the industry. Uh, They're doing some exciting things at First Health, but as my audience knows, our conversation with Carter today will be about the subject and discipline of leadership. So, Carter, welcome to the Leadership Student Podcast. MK, thank you so much for having me. Great to see you, and thank you for having me on the podcast. I'm excited to have you on. Uh, I've had the opportunity now to speak to a handful of CEOs, and I find that the CEO perspective uh, is unique uh, and sometimes different um, as people aspire to become uh, CEOs, or at least many professionals do. And my first question to you right out of the gate is, did you always know that you wanted to be the chief executive officer of a company? Not at all, MK. <laughs> Not at all. Uh, you, you know, I, I always sort of you know, had, in, in, as I reflect, some leadership qualities, uh, you know, captain of the swim team, you know, baseball team, things like that. But I never thought growing up I wanted to be a CEO. I just didn't have that in my life. And as I recall, you, you didn't really see these superstar CEOs that you see today. It, it wasn't a position that was so, I guess, celebrated uh, the way it is now. But I never really even thought about that until I started interacting with some CEOs as I became a professional. And those were in my consulting days. Uh, but, I, but I certainly never thought, gosh, that's that's what I want to do. That's what I need to do. Uh, but it did happen at an early age. And I can tell you, uh, I've been a CEO for nearly 20 years, and I'm still learning every day how to be a good CEO. Well, that, that's the good part about uh, being the eternal student. And we're going to hopefully pull back the thread uh, on some of those learnings during this conversation. Uh, take us back then to maybe the first time professionally you were tapped on the shoulder and maybe asked to lead a team. Um any trepidation about what that looked like? Had you led before? How was that first experience leading in, uh, in corporate America? In, in a professional setting, it, it, it happened from an IT perspective. Uh, and, and, you know, most of, uh, you know, my experience, you know, in a, in a career perspective has been through healthcare. Uh, and, and I was tapped to lead a team that Actually, actually included a bunch of consultants and seasoned individuals, and I was this young guy. Uh, it, it was a pretty high-profile project uh, in, in a healthcare system that I worked for, and the the way that I actually tackled it, MK, was I I, I worked, I'm thinking, 120 hours a week just to make sure that this thing went well, and so I, I just. The only way I knew how to actually address this and learn and do the things, you know, to minimize risk in the project was 
to work day and night. And I, I even slept in, you know, it was, we were in a hospital setting. I slept in hospital beds for weeks at a time before this go live to make it successful. Uh, you know, so that was really my first foray into being put into a leadership position. And I enjoyed it. But I also often ask for feedback. Am I, am I doing okay? Because you, you can imagine, you know, I was in my early 20s at the time, and I was leading individuals that were certainly more experienced and, you know, had tenure. Um, and so I, I sort of secretly worried about that. What do these people that have been here for 15 years think of think of me? So I, I wanted them to like me at the same time. So I'd often check in with them to get their feedback and advice. And that ended up helping me tremendously. And I think it endeared my leadership style to them, making them feel a part of the team. Was there any particular event that represented sort of a um, light switch on that you recognized that maybe you were getting the majority of the things right, at least, and maybe having the kind of impact that you intended to have? You know, I think after about four or five you know, big IT go live events, I thought, gosh, you know, I, I can actually lead and inspire. You know, I don't get everything right myself, but knowing, you know, that, that I can inspire people and model the way gave me confidence through each one of those larger go live situations, um, you know, to take on even larger roles. Um, and, and, you know, I, I think I, I developed a really sound appreciation, MK, for encouraging associates, uh, you know, and, and, and colleagues uh, you know, to tell me what they were thinking ultimately, but also ensure that I was sharing the success of those projects. So any type of win was because of the team or the individuals and any challenge or, or failure that we faced, I took the accountability. And that, it, it, I didn't read any books or anything that said do that. It just somehow felt right. And that's, as I grew in terms of the accountability that was given me, it really helped me from a leadership perspective. That's outstanding. Um, the trust factor, I think, is part of what you're touching on that you develop with teams uh, as you go through this uh, process of building rapport with one another. Um, the difficulty in leading, uh, and I don't care what anyone says, when, you, when you're leading folks that are um, senior to you, at least in tenure, that can be a difficult dynamic to manage. Um, I certainly experienced uh, that throughout my career. How, what are some of the the ways that you've gone about ensuring that you're capable of one, developing trust with those senior folks, maybe identifying who the influencers are among uh, the senior team, and then subsequently figuring out how best to influence and make sure that you're getting your objectives accomplished, but at the same time, you know, learning to work with those folks. Yeah. That, that, you know, and it still happens today because you know, I, I'm always looking up to somebody uh, wherever, in whatever situation I'm in, if I'm a part of a board or otherwise, I, I think first and foremost, MK is being humble and, and making those individuals that you're tasked with leading feel like, uh, they, they actually have say in the direction, um, uh, and I'm listening to them, um, you know, while I'm inspiring them. And so, you know, you know, that, that's a big element for me is sort of being humble and being genuine. And I think human beings generally are pretty good judges of character. 
and they can tell after a while if I am genuine. Um, and, and once they see that and they feel, uh, you know, ultimately that they have say and, and essentially uh, they can challenge the process where it's not me saying this is how we do it. Uh, that, that really has helped me in my career. And I'm again, I'm looking at it through the lens of healthcare number one, and primarily very large information technology projects, which is different, right? Your, your background in the military, uh, there, there's a hierarchy there that, you know, you, you don't necessarily foster maybe the challenge of leadership, but, you know, in, in, in this field, I want to foster that ability for people to say, well, what about this? Or what about this? I, I think this might be a better path. And if they see that I listen to that, it's easy to, to build that team, to build that rapport, and to build that trust. Great, great, great example. Um, first time you became a CEO, uh, what were the circumstances there and what was that experience like for you? Yeah, I, I was a founder of the company First Health Advisory, uh, okay. but, I, but I was not the president or the CEO at the time. I was actually in my early 30s, MK. Uh, but I, I think some of those qualities that we've already talked about, I, I wanted to continue to develop those qualities. And, you know, the, the, the chairman of the company at the time saw those qualities in me and saw the sort of the passion and the hunger that I brought to the team. And so he actually made a change in the organization, uh, you know, about two or three years into my tenure in the organization. And I, I got to tell you, there are a couple other leaders in the company that absolutely unequivocally didn't think that was a good move. And I, I remember fielding phone calls, you know, you're not ready for this, Carter. I don't think you can do it. And, you know, yeah, it made me mad, but it also, it, it, it energized me and inspired me to be the best leader I could be, knowing that with, within the team, and those individuals are not, not with the company anymore, but within the team, there were doubts. But right. I said, I understand your doubts, but give me a chance to prove to you that I can lead this organization. And I, and I did, but you know, knowing that there was people that didn't believe in me, it, it, instead of turning that into anger, I turned it into inspiration. You think that's a common theme um, that folks maybe believe that others aren't ready for the task? Um, and in some cases, whether they want to or not, I, I, oftentimes that results in people sort of working against the grain or, or working against the objectives of the person they don't believe is ready for ready for the challenge. Have, have you seen that? commonplace in, in business? Or do you think that's just kind of human nature uh, that you're not always going to have sort of everybody on board as a champion? Yeah. I, I mean, look, you have such a diverse group of thought and individuals and background, and, and you're always going to have someone that doesn't necessarily think, you know, that's the right path. So the challenge is uh, to, you know, to go back to being genuine, to being humble in uh, leading from the heart and get people to believe and get people to be inspired about your vision. And, and that's, that's really what I work on a lot. You know, I say, guys, I truly believe in this. I want you to believe in this and I want you to carry this to our other team members and share that same passion. But I'm always, always praising individuals and calling out great work 
and, and, you know, sharing my appreciation for the work that those people do. And, and that's served me pretty well, you know, that attitude of, of showing appreciation as opposed to, you know, sort of the, this idea that you have to be a jerk and you have to, you know, you know, just be a really powerful, macho, you know, leader to actually get people to do things for you the way you want them to do it. It's just, it's not my style. Uh, and I kind of wince when I've seen other people in my career that lead through intimidation and fear. And, and I just, I don't subscribe to that approach. Right. Um, what do you do at the, at the CEO level to make sure that you stay connected to, um, and I hate the phrasing of this, but even the sort of the lowest levels of the organization, entry level employees, how do you maintain that tissue connectivity so that they understand your high level vision, the execution plan and that kind of thing, especially for folks that are, that are maybe joining you guys. You, I mean, you're, you've been on the journey now for a while with First Health Advisory. How do you ensure that the vision, mission com- and, and culture of what you are personally responsible for hits at home at all levels? Yeah, it, it is one of the biggest challenges, especially as your organization is growing, where I used to be able to talk to just about everybody in the company and, and kind of get a sense of, you know, are things going well? How are you feeling? Are, are, are you comfortable with where I'm taking the organization with the strategy? You know, I, I certainly rely on my leadership team now to carry to me you know, some of those challenges or things they're hearing. But I still make a point every week of talking and calling individuals kind of out of the blue and saying, thank you. Thank you for doing X. Thank you for doing Y. Thank you for going above and beyond the call of duty to to please a client or to do something internally. And it's amazing the type of information and feedback I get when I call these individuals. And some of them, you know, we're in cybersecurity, MK. They, they think I'm somehow, uh, you know, a, a spoof or, you know, they're getting some sort of fraudulent call when I call, you know, one of our employees. But I, I, I do assure them and I love those conversations. That's what keeps me grounded. That's what keeps me, uh, you know, from just listening to a small group of individual leaders in the company. And ultimately it serves in, in providing direction and, and, you know, ultimately how we treat our people in the organization. Not that you need me to double tap on that, but you you literally just reminded me of an experience I had uh, as a young manager and leader in the FBI uh, when out of the blue, uh, I get a call in the middle of the workday from the director of the FBI. Uh, the the <laughs> person calling says, hold for the director as I picked up the phone. And it was a 15 second conversation. I heard you're doing well at this. Thank you. Keep it up. And it's like it, it rejuvenates you. You get rejuiced, right? Uh, the boss yeah. just caught you and said, uh, I recognize what you're doing way back here in Washington, D.C. Keep it up and keep going. Uh, that's It's really powerful. So great to hear that you're doing that. And it is. I mean, I, I love it, number one. Um, and, and I've heard that same type of feedback, MK. Uh, in you know, that's that's. That's that's why I want to do it, you know, is 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 to inspire those people. But sometimes it's just kind of it's kind of goofy, you know. I'm 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 a person, you're a person, and I appreciate what you're doing. Uh, that, that, that that's what it boils down to, and you know, it's just 
yes, we have hierarchy in the organization, just it makes sense to structure that way. But I don't think of anybody as well. This is a, you know, a lower level person or this is I, I've got to treat this person any differently. That's that is essential to our culture is everybody is equally valued. So one of the uh, primary topics for you as a, as a leader of an organization is building leadership underneath of you. Mm-hmm. Um, let's sort of go down the lane of whether or not one leadership can be taught and maybe some thoughts you have around how especially for young leaders, they can learn principles of leadership. Because I think we make assumptions oftentimes that people are ready and that they understand everything. Maybe your experience is different than others. It sounds like you kind of pick some stuff up on the, on the fly, on the move. Sure. Can it be taught? And what ways are you ensuring that you're developing leaders in your company now? I I do think it can be taught. Okay. Uh, But to a certain extent, and, and, and you read books and I read books and we go to, events and we hear you know speakers on leadership but i i think the best way to learn this is this is not some secret that only carter groom is doing is to model the way and if i want my leadership team uh you know to to perform at the top of their ability i need to perform at the top of my ability and i need to model the way that i talk the way that i dress the way that i act in social situations the way that I, you know, you know, you know, just interact with my family. When they see that, they go, "Okay, this is a leader that I can follow uh, because there's integrity there, there's honesty there, uh, and you know that is so important when you think about it through the lens of doing cybersecurity work, right? You know, we're talking right. about security and privacy is one of the most personal sort of relationship type decisions in business if I'm going to do work with this person and this person's company. And so I try to model the way uh, ultimately for our leaders. And that seems to be the best way that I learned as I came up through the ranks. And I feel like that's the best way that our leadership can learn is is just do right by people and, and do the right thing. And ultimately, you'll, you, you'll succeed. Um, do you exercise any kind of formal, um, leadership training for your, uh, senior leaders in the company? Do you spend time in retreats, teaching things like reflection and that kind of thing with leaders or, you know, tackling use cases that might be helpful in getting people get their heads wrapped around sticky issues? Yeah, absolutely. You know, and all of the above, uh, you know, retreats, uh, you know, when we get together as a leadership team, we talk about the qualities of what makes a good leader. We have lunch and learns where we bring in outside individuals uh, that are not only leaders in cybersecurity, but are leaders in healthcare. Uh, and so we sort of, you know, mix all of that up, but that is really essential uh, to all of our growth. And I'm always, you know, <laughs> probably one of the most attentive individuals in, in those situations. Um, take us back to maybe your youth or you tell us when the first time you sort of understood that modeling concept that you just described, who modeled good leadership for you and what were some of the things you picked up from it? You know, uh, I'll maybe take you back to some of my earliest career moments. And, you know, there, there was modeling that I saw that was really good behavior. And there was an equal amount, if not more, MK, of modeling what, what I 
learned was not appropriate yeah. behavior. And, and, you know, so <laughs> we're not always learning from uh, you know, individuals that are doing right by people and are honest and, and have integrity. But I was paying as close attention to the individuals that I thought were doing the opposite and saying to myself, I'm, I'm not going to act that way when I'm in that position. I'm not going to, you know, I, you know I, I can recall a time when I was in a company and, and there was a, a corporate, it was an entire company event and the leaders, you know, to be honest, just had too much to drink. And I thought, you know, they, they need to be more disciplined than that in front of people that look up to them. And, and, you know, that's an example of what, what I learned from modeling on the other side. Right. So right. I, I sense I've learned as much, perhaps more of what not to model to become who I am today versus what I saw in modeling really, really behavior that I, that I want to emulate. So I, I've told, um, and I think this is true, uh, other guests that I, we learn infinitely more from failure than we do successes yeah. uh, any day of the week. Uh, is there any one particular experience, and you don't have to give the uh, the, the exacting details, but any one particular experience that stuck with you over the years that really maybe represented a pivot point for you in your understanding of how to lead people? You know, I, I recall, and, and, and I'll put it in the context of cybersecurity, it, which is, again, a very stressful field. <laughs> you, you, you live it, MK. Uh, and, and I sort of absorb for a, a lot of clients some of that stress, uh, but I also understand, you know, what they're trying to protect as leaders in the organizations that we serve. And I distinctly recall uh, a phone call that I had a couple of years ago um, on Thanksgiving Eve. Uh, and so think about it. Everybody is sort of going different places and, and they're seeing their family and they're looking for the time off. And it was a client of ours that uh, was under serious attack. Uh, and, and, you know, there was material, uh, you know, potential material harm, but also patient safety harm when we're serving the healthcare field. And I mobilized the team, you know, my team, you know, from an incident response perspective, I don't want to get too technical, but that team worked, you know, through basically the Thanksgiving holiday. And I, you know, not only sort of led that element, but they came together as a team in a way that I just, I, I was really blown away, but I was also so appreciative and you know, they knew on the other side of that, that they would, you know, <laughs> have some time off and get to spend time with their family. Uh, it, but it, it, it's sort of making very quick snap decisions, uh, you know, that, that made me feel like, you know, we can tackle anything as a team, uh, it, as long as, you know, <laughs> we have somebody that is inspiring us here. And, and that, that comes to mind, MK, is the, you know, a, a Thanksgiving cyber attack on a client that was really scared and we helped them through that. There was a lot, you know, in that weekend that happened, no. uh, but that team coming together was a memorable, memorable event. Um, how do you think about um, balancing in your field? And then maybe we dive a little bit more into what you guys are doing at First Health Advisory. Um, how do you feel about the balance between technical skills and 
clear leadership capabilities and how do you balance ensuring that your that your teams have that right balance in the leadership uh, across the board you know understanding the technical challenge but also um, employing and exercising good leadership principles yeah you know when, when you look at the field you know of, of, of IT and then cyber generally I think there is certainly a lean more towards the technical uh, you know than sort of the interpersonal qualities and charisma that you might see in other industries uh, in other sectors and, and so you have to be able to kind of <laughs> foster those people that show qualities in both and, and, and bring them, not necessarily up, but bring them into positions where they feel most comfortable. And, and so there are absolutely people that don't feel comfortable in, let's say, a business development situation, <laughs> uh, you know, in our company. But there's others that, you know, just are, are never going to be technical enough, MK, to to get into deep network infrastructure and, 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 and cyber theory and, and offense, defense, and all that conversation. So it, it's important for me to see those qualities early on and sort of foster them into those fields because it is a very rare individual that has extreme technical capability that can translate that into sort of lay terms and interact with boards and leaders uh, and other, you know, clients uh, on a regular basis, and so I, I think it's it's a real challenge, especially yeah. in the field of cyber. But if you do find those special individuals, you need to, you know, really, really foster their growth from a leadership perspective. How's the uh, business school adage go? You get the right people on the bus, and then you got to get them into the right seats, right? <laughs> that's it. Good, good to great. Uh, yeah, you know, absolutely. that's that's one of the all time. Uh, leadership books from a, an organizational culture perspective uh, that I continue to take lessons from. And I, I, I think that's a 20, 25 year old book. It is. It is. Uh, speaking of uh, leadership authors, do you have a favorite? Well, you know, I, I have a book right in front of me here. Uh, and, and this is it, Jim Collins. Uh, I've got to tell you, you know, there are books that sort of play on, you know, the hype of the day. Uh, and, and you go back and you look at them and it might be a 10 year old book and you go, I, I don't even really understand now how it's relevant to today. I keep coming back to Jim Collins and, and whatever he writes. And it just, it, it, it feels still relevant um, right. because it's so, it was so based in, in the research that he did uh, and, and I still use it as a teaching uh, tool for, for my team. And we talk about it at our, our company meetings. We talk about it at our leadership meetings. And, and so I'd put Jim Collins up there with anyone. You must get approached a lot about um, potentially mentoring people. Uh, how do you feel about the subject of mentoring and, and maybe how you how you exercise that currently? I don't know if you spend time internally just mentoring folks on your team. Do folks external to your company seek your mentorship? Uh, how do you how do you view the subject and what do you do in that regard today? Yeah, I look, I, I love to give back. I've been so fortunate to be the recipient of, of mentorship um, over the course of my career. And so I think it's so important to find time and carve out time to do so. What 
what I'm not so adamant about is, is calling a particular rate relationship a mentor sort of protege relationship. Mm-hmm. It's just a, a friendship and, a, and a, <laughs> a relationship. And if you learn from that individual, uh, that's fantastic because even when I'm, quote, mentoring somebody, I'm learning from them too. Uh, so I, I've always benefited from those type of relationships where there's there's nothing expected, you know, in, in terms of, you know, I'm, I'm going to get a deal from this person. Uh, it, it's just simply out of the goodness of that individual's heart and, and, and the time that they can give back to those that, you know, ultimately are in the industry or, or you know, just or desire, uh, you know, the conversation. Um, First Health Advisory, talk to us a little bit about what you guys do there. First Health Advisory is a digital health risk assurance firm. And so we uh, advise organizations on their strategy, but we have consultants that actually can implement strategy and, and work on programs. In digital health, in the healthcare field, is ubiquitous. It is changing the way that care is provided. It's changing the business of healthcare through technology. And the risk assurance part of that is security and privacy and risk management. So we're looking at the digital health spectrum and reducing risk in the setting of of healthcare. And we're really proud of what we've done. It's our passion. It's our craft. And uh, I think there's a lot of good things to come in this field as we, we help those hospitals from being attacked. So it, the, the field that you're into has um, uh, grown in significance uh, probably over the past five to seven years. One of the top one or two uh, verticals, I think, where there's interest by just the general public and also the technology spectrum uh, public, uh, the confluence of the idea of healthcare and technology, the reliance on technology, the fact that cybersecurity is now a component uh, of all of those technological considerations. With that in mind, um, what's, uh, what are you excited about? Like, what do you see that's on the roadmap for the future, um, either for healthcare or like the, the ability for technology to impact healthcare? What, what, what things are you thinking about that maybe five to 10 years from now we'll just be amazed by? Yeah, look, we're already starting to see, you know, the things that I believe will be more mature MK in, in a couple of years between wearables uh, and, and just devices and technology that is going to provide telemetry uh, on, on your health and, and, you know, provide alerts and give you, you know, just better indicators of, of how to actually take care of ourselves, uh, which is absolutely needed. When I think of the entire ecosystem of healthcare, I think of where artificial intelligence can go. Certainly there are perils. Uh, in that, but there is a lot of promise in where you know artificial intelligence can take us in the field of healthcare and understanding our bodies and understanding you know how each of us individually is unique in terms of the care we might need, the medicines that we might need, and so that's an area that I think is is really something exciting to look at. And then I think of it also in terms of well, how do you do that? securely, you know, how do you do the, you know, you transact information privately to ensure that those that are receiving that care, those that are wearing these devices, those that are connecting to these devices feel that they're trusted. 
And, and so that's that's a big part of our ethos is, you know, let's ensure that that security and privacy is sort of baked in as these technologies advance and can absolutely change the dynamic on you know, our, our lives and living better lives. Outstanding. Um, leadership principles, guiding principles. Is there any one particular leadership principle that stands out that if I were to ask you, uh, you got one thing to say to a young up and coming aspiring leader, what do you tell them? You know, there's a couple MK that I, you know, I think about, you know, just be honest. We've talked about that, right? Lead from the heart before looking in many ways, inspire the individuals that are there with you. And I think maybe lastly, and this sounds probably goofy, is know what you're talking about, right? You know, be competent. Competent, you know, yeah. I'm in the field of cybersecurity and, and you know, the, the field changes every day. You can't know everything, but I'll tell you, I wake up in the morning, uh, I'm reading, you know, pod, uh, you know, or, or, or books, I'm, I'm listening to podcasts when I'm in the car. I'm constantly educating myself on the field. You need to know what you're talking about to inspire individuals and to be strategic about how you run your business. I love it. We'll end on that note of competency and the need to uh, stay up to speed on the changing dynamics in your profession. Uh, Carter Groom, CEO of First Health Advisory. Thanks for coming in the virtual studio for the Leadership Student Podcast. Really appreciate it. MK, thank you so much. Great to see you. Awesome. All right, folks, that's it for this episode of the Leadership Student Podcast. We'll see you next time. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Leadership Student Podcast with M.K. Palmore, part of the ITSB Magazine Podcast Network. If you learned something new and this conversation made you think, then add this show to your favorite podcast player, subscribe to the ITSB Magazine YouTube channel, and share the ITSB Magazine Podcast Network with your friends, family, and colleagues. If you represent a company and wish to connect your brand to our conversations, and our audience, visit itsbmagazine.com to learn how to sponsor one or more of our podcast channels. We hope you will come back for more stories and follow us on our journey.